Last week, we had Brandon Roman on the podcast and discussed how he got started in triathlon, specific body types and how training varies for everyone, his training regimen, and how he manages his time. This week, we are finishing the conversation with surviving the SOS triathlon, the Brookfield Classic, entrepreneurship, and his future goals. I would like to thank our sponsors, Native Pass Supplements, Lombardi Chiropractic, Home Sweet Home Cleaning, and Thin Line Martial Arts. If you are enjoying this content, I ask that you support these companies in the description and take advantage of the enticing discount they're providing our listeners by using our code COMO15. That's C-O-M-O-15. I thank each and every one of you for being on this journey with us. Now, please enjoy the show. Let's talk about the SOS uh, triathlon. Um, the weirdest thing, weirdest story for listeners with this is I found this race last year. It fascinated me. I saw the trailer on YouTube. Um, it's an eight-stage triathlon in the gunks, uh, way beyond what I'm capable of currently, but I would like to do someday. And you and I met at the Brookfield Classic um, at, when you were signing in. And I don't know, it came up really quick. It was very weird, but I was talking with Mike Babula and Paul Hart and and you were there. Um, and Mike or, or Paul, someone had said that you, you just, or maybe you brought it up like six days ago, you had done the SOS triathlon. And I was like, for real, like the one in the gunks and, it was, and that was like, that's like my bucket list event. And so you and I instantly had that to talk about and in common. So can you explain to listeners what, that event consists of and tell me about your experience because it's a very unique event. Yeah, it was so cool to hear that you had even heard of it because I'm up doing this race three and a half hours from where I live, which is in the Hudson Valley, right by where SOS is. And for that to get named and for you to latch right on, that, that was awesome. Uh, so similarly, I, there's this theme of I, I set these ambitious goals for myself. So I have this little note card of races and, and goals that I wanted to do. I think I wrote it out in like 2019 and on it was like uh, at the very end was SOS because <clears throat> it's a it's a local but kind of big deal event around here where it is an eight an eight stage triathlon. It begins with a 30 mile bike ride. The first 25 of that is fairly rolling and forgiving. The last five of it is a five mile 2000 foot climb into Minnewaska State Park. Uh, so it starts off pretty casual and it gets real, really quick in, at the end of that bike ride. At the end of the bike, you, you transition and you leave your bike and you will take with you everything that you're going to have for the rest of the day for the running and swimming portions. Uh, so you, you, for me, that was a handheld water bottle, uh, swim cap, goggles, and I put on, you know, I was in a tri suit and my sneakers. And you head out for a four and a half mile run. Uh, it's a mostly uphill run. So that, that's a fun way to start that after a 30 mile bike ride. And then a 1.1 mile swim through Awasting Lake, beautiful glacial lake in Minnewaska State Park, followed by a 5.5 mile run, which takes you to Lake Minnewaska. You swim half a mile through Minnewaska and then run eight miles to Lake Mohonk swim a half mile through Lake Mohonk, and then run 0.7 miles uh, pretty vertical to the Skytop Tower, which overlooks all of this beautiful landscape. And uh, 
I think a couple of the, the key features that make it you know, have that survival feel is again, once you get off the bike, you're taking everything with you. So you have to really decide how am I going to move through the water and through the run sections? What do I need and what don't I need? And the biggest question that comes up for everybody is how am I going to carry my shoes? So that becomes uh, a big decision for me and for most people that involves taking your shoes off and stuffing them somewhere in your shorts or your tri, tri suit and swimming across the lakes like that. Um, most people don't wear a wetsuit because then you have to run with it for 18 or 19 miles, though you could do that if you chose to. Uh, but it was, I was so grateful to get into the race. I had a really amazing experience and certainly four or five years ago, I would have never imagined that it was even possible. So um, I'm, I'm still floating from it three or four weeks later. Tell me about um, qualifying for it. Um, you and I talked a little bit about it. Um, what What are the standards? Uh, like, how does that work? Yeah. Uh, typically to qualify, you have had to have had completed a 70.3 half Ironman distance triathlon in a certain time. I'm, I'm not sure what it was or have had previous SOS completion. There's some people that have been just doing it for a long time and they've sort of shown their mark. I had put myself on the wait list in the middle of the summer when some 70.3 plans fell through for a couple of reasons. And I just threw my hat in the ring and basically begged and pleaded and showed a, showed my resume of some other distance ultra events that I had done and placing fairly well at some of them and somehow got really lucky and just got plucked off the wait list. I, I train with some, some guys locally and do some, a lot of local races. So I kind of had my ear to the wind, but uh, in a lot of ways, I think I'm an outlier and got lucky and they had a little bit of faith that I wouldn't be a, a giant liability out there because that's really, I mean, as what I just outlined, it's, you know, it's all through state parks and preserves and uh, there's a lot that can go wrong and to have it be a good day for everybody. They want people out there that are, I think, A, going to respect the race and train for it properly and hopefully not have to get uh, medevac out of there. <laughs> Are you, um, are you definitely in, if you do a 70.3 in sub seven hours, are you like, could you apply like a month before if I had a 70.3 in August and this race is in September, um, is, are you automatically accepted or no? No, to, to add to the mystique of all of it, the registration opens, I believe at like midnight on Halloween. Yes. And if you want to get in, I think you have to be sitting there with your, your finger on the mouse ready to jump in. So, okay. Wow. So I don't have a 70.3 yet. Um, and so obviously I'm not signing up on Halloween this year in a few weeks. And so am I looking at then from a planning perspective, getting the 70.3 in this coming up season and then that's my qualifier for next year's SOS. So it's almost like two years away. Is that accurate or no? I think that's probably the, the most accurate way to look at it. I can't speak for the, the, the race committee or any of the decisions that are made. I don't know if you were able to register and say, hey, I'm going to do this this year. If that, you know, if that might qualify or if, um, you know, maybe you get pulled off a wait list when you, you show that, that you've completed that. Um, but I think typically the way you described it is the way that it goes is you want to be registering with that in under your belt, which, um, I, you know, I think from what I know about you is well within reach for you. 
Okay. All right. That's good. Well, you and I will be definitely talking um, as I progress towards that. It's still a little ways away, but uh, having you in my corner will help a lot. So <laughs> if and when that time comes, I, I can tell you're someone who, if you put your sights on something, it's going to get closer, come down and we'll train and you know show you the course. It was a big advantage for me to be able to, when I was describing some of my workouts, I'm I'm leaving from my front door and I'm going to the actual segments and training on them to have that. I think mentally that's really important and, and to physically just know what you're, you're going to be seeing. So that was a huge asset for me and I felt really fortunate for that. But if you ever get in, we'll, we'll go and we'll do it all. Yeah, no, that sounds good. It's very doable too. I think it's three hours from here. Um, I've been down to the gunks a bunch of times. It's beautiful. I know it's a huge rock climbing destination. Um, and so, yeah, we can make that happen. I got to put the work in first and qualify. <laughs> Sounds good. So let's uh, talk about the Brookfield classic. You took first place and a course record for the 15 K. Um, what was your takeaway from that race? Uh, I was really impressed with you guys and what you put on for being a first race. A couple things stood out to me. Uh, one, it was really, really well marked. We were, you were joking at the beginning about, I don't know how it was like 300 flags that you all put yeah. out. <laughs> Cause I was going into it. I'm like, we're in the middle of nowhere. This is the first race. I'm going to go out there and get lost. You know, I might be running in the front. So I'm the most likely to get lost, but it was really well marked, really well organized. Uh, the volunteers were great and, and that just made it a lot of fun. Um, so good job with that. And the atmosphere and the vibe was very uh, friendly, both for somebody who wants to go and try to be competitive and run really hard. Or I think somebody who is just showing up maybe for the first time or stepping into trail running, um, kind of low key welcoming. I know how intimidating, intimidating that can be. I have felt very intimidated stepping into anything for the first time. Um, I know what it's like to be really anxious. So to have an atmosphere that's really welcoming like that, I think is going to be awesome for a lot of people. What was your favorite part of the event or the course? I really liked the last couple miles, which at that point, if I'm remembering right, was on mostly dirt road, but was yeah. uphill. So it was like this, you can kind of smell the finish line, but it, and I'm trying to run hard. I'm trying to run fast. And I got the, the road, like the, the conditions to do it, but it was brutally uphill. I think the like two thirds of the elevation was in the last third of the race or something like that. Yeah. It was fun. I was telling somebody, it might've been you or Andy, I was just running scared for the last couple of miles and looking back over my shoulder. And you know, <laughs> finally there was a stretch where maybe I could look back a quarter mile and not see somebody, but didn't really know where I was at, at any point in that race. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for us for next year? Um, we are adding a 5K due to popular demand. Um, we are going to cap it at 100 participants. This year we had 40 register, 36 showed up. Um, but my goal isn't to like blow this up into like the biggest thing possible. I want it to be like backyardsy, rural, rustic, like, um, yeah. you know, with a cap. Um, I think we could manage the hundred with parking and logistics, but what advice do you have, if any, for next year? Honestly, Josh, I, I thought you all did a great job for, for a first race. I think it'll develop pretty organically. The fact that you're doing a 5K, you said a 5K next year? Yeah. That, that's that's going to be great. That's going to allow you know, people who are really just stepping into it for the first time 
or honestly, you might get some really fast people that want to uh, take a shot at just what how fast they can go through a trail race like that. Uh, I, I think that'll be awesome. I would offer some advice to anybody who's running it would be to go down there and actually get on the course and do it and see it. And uh, what you what often happens, I think it happened for me and it'll happen for a lot of people who do run, but they run on roads. It's hard to appreciate how different it is trail running. And there's a couple sections in particular that are muddy and washed out. Even after a dry week, it was like that. Um, so, if, you know, I would have loved to have been able to run it once so I could have seen what I was in for and actually pace it and think it through. And if anybody can do that, that's usually a really good idea. Yeah, that's a great tip for sure. Yeah, you and I know it's a, a very different sport compared to road running because of the technical, you know, piece. Um, the 5k, just so you know, is going to same start, same finish. Uh, they're going to go around Woodland pond the same way the whole, the 15k and the 50kers did. And then at the main intersection, instead of going straight up the hill, they're going to take a left and go back to the start. Um, and that is exactly the coincidentally, it's so weird, Brandon, how this works, but coincidentally that's 3.1 miles. (laughs) That's just how it goes. Yeah, was, dude, it's it it's it's it meant, meant to be. To be. <laughs> well, uh, okay, last question. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm I'm keeping my ear out for when the date is. I'm you know I'm hoping to be back no matter what, and hoping that it might be more than six days after SOS this year. <laughs> it's um okay, so it is. We had to avoid another race in the area next year, and so it's September 14th. Okay. When is SOS? Not even sure if it's the same kind of weekend in September lineup. It might it might be in the same, but um, okay, not okay this year. So <laughs> okay. Last question on the Brookfield Classic: Do you think it's possible to go sub sixty with the fifteen k loop? Yeah, I think there's somebody out there that can do that. Again, I mean, I'm, it was awesome to win a race and be able to. I, I want to say cross the finish line, but really tag the rock is maybe more you know, appropriate yeah. for this. It was really awesome to tag the rock first, but I didn't, I certainly don't think that I had my best day. I was still pretty fatigued. So I have a number in mind of what I think I can go. Uh, and I know that there's usually, like I said, a tier of runners that is well beyond me that I am chasing. Uh, so there's somebody out there, particularly I'm thinking some Utica road runners, some Boilermaker people who, could come down and, and really do some damage on it and definitely trend that toward an hour. Okay. Yeah. Cause it looks like now what's catching steam is like the sub 60 mark for that. And then for the 50 K sub five, yeah. um, you know, it would be very cool to see a sub 60 uh, Brookfield classic 15 K because I know a sub 60 with Boilermaker is like the pinnacle, right? Like that's very fast, very elite I, I, for at least what I consider elite. Um, and so to add, uh, what 1500 feet or so of elevation on technical trail and go sub 60, I think that would be pretty freaky. Yeah. Again, it's going to take somebody who's really fit and pretty serious, but where that 15K, where it was a lot of fun to run it, is that, I mean, I don't know, there's maybe four to five miles of it that are very runnable, like either yeah. on either on runnable trail or on dirt road. 
And, you know, I think for some people, they're going to be seeing splits at, at or below six minute miles on those sections. Yep. And, they, and if they have the uphill legs, if they have some experience trail running and kind of can handle the, the elevation, again, you could do some serious damage in those last few miles if you were, if you were the right kind of runner for it. Yeah, because the last third of the course is what seems to screw everybody. Like right where that red schoolhouse was, where you guys take that left, um, it's pretty much just a, a grind. With the exception of the the one downhill truck trail at the top of that, the big, big, massive climb, um, it's pretty much a grind all the way. And so, but yeah, you're right. If you've got mountain legs and you can go, um, that'll be fun to watch that. Back pain, headaches, and discomfort plague the majority of humans walking around each day. Chiropractic care can be the solution to feeling your best. I know for me personally, it has had a huge impact on how I feel day to day. The problem is that many people fear going to the chiropractor and getting their first adjustment. The team at Lombardi Chiropractic are the best of the best, a team that I've worked with for over 12 years. Visit their website at LombardiChiropractic.com and when you call, let them know you are a listener of the Co-Movement Gym Podcast. The majority of supplements on the market are junk and a waste of money. Lack of regulation allows these companies to sell cardboard and a pill, and they get away with it. It's important to purchase your supplements from a company you trust, which for us at Co-Movement is Native Path Supplements. Shop their products at nativepath.com and use code COMO15 for a nice discount at checkout. That's C-O-M-O-15. Law enforcement officers have one tough job. While some calls may be routine, many are not, oftentimes putting officers in unpredictable situations. Thinline Martial Arts is an apparel company that promotes defensive tactics training for officers so that they can be equipped to safely handle a hand-to-hand -hand combat situation. Purchasing apparel from Thinline Martial Arts promotes this message and allows more officers to attend training. Go to thinlinemartialarts.com and use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O 15, to receive a 15% discount on us. Did you know a clean house reduces anxiety, increases your productivity, improves sleep, and decreases stress? Yes, all of those health benefits just from having a clean house. The problem is that no one finds cleaning fun, except for the great folks at Home Sweet Home Cleaning, Mention the Co-Movement Gym podcast and receive 20% off deep cleans for all clients who sign on using the reoccurring services and start enjoying a clean house today. Yeah. So let's switch gears um, a little bit here. You and I are both entrepreneurs. Um, you mentioned multiple businesses overlapping with your personal interest in health and wellness. Um, tell me a little bit about your businesses and how that overlaps. Sure. Uh, I'm a licensed mental health counselor, so I'm in practice as as that. Um, so I have a caseload of clients where I just do therapy with them week in and week out. Um, and I started a private solo practice in 2013, so about 10 years ago. And that evolved into owning a group practice where I now employ six other mental health counselors. My business is called Skytop Mental Health Counseling, named after the Skytop right here at the top of Mohawk. And, um, so I guess that it started with solo practice and business owning and moving away from uh, working in some college counseling settings. 
and then evolved to hiring and employing and doing all the things that uh, sort of a business, small business owner uh, has to do with that. And I take on a lot myself. I'm learning to delegate and needing to delegate more over time. But I say I do everything from see clients myself to clean the toilets when they need to be cleaned. Uh, and I, I take a level of, of pride in doing that. So. Uh, the other business is I have a couple of rental properties where I rent professional office space to other, mostly therapists, but other uh, professionals as well. And I'm one of the tenants. I use one of the buildings to run my practice as well as sublet to um, to another therapist. Okay. Yeah, that's very, very cool. You and I could talk, I'm sure, business for a whole separate podcast. Yeah, I mean, like um, a, that's a whole other identity. And like my mind is often in both of all of these places and they all overlap. Yeah, there, it, there's a there's an interesting correlation and I don't, this is more or less a hypothesis, I guess, but like I've just been talking to a lot of people and, and endurance athletes, ultra triathlon, a lot of them are self-employed and they're very unique uh, in terms of how they think and see things. Um, so like John Kelly, he was on our podcast. He's won the Barclays, I think, two times. Um, awesome dude. He lives down in uh, Boone, North Carolina, I think it is. Um, yeah, he's a tech startup guy. You know, he owns his own thing. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of uniqueness to this community. Um, so the fact that you're into all of that <laughs> and you're into endurance sports, it, it doesn't surprise me. It's very cool. Yeah, it works well with, with my life in that I can... Um you know, again, it's not that I have total agency and choice. I have my uh, demands that I have to do to sort of manage keeping all of these kind of balloons floating. Uh, but I can't imagine not being able to have some some level of control over which one I'm, I'm focusing on versus others. And uh, again, I just I'm an efficiency guy. I like to think about how to do things the best way and the fastest way. And I enjoy kind of digging into the weeds on things. So that works really well for business and finance and certainly works well for running and training and all things endurance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to date, Brandon, what's been your most memorable athletic accomplishment? Uh, both because of recency and I think because it truly is, it, it would be SOS. That was just so meaningful to me to be able to race where I live and where I train uh, I, doing this is often a bit of a, feels at times like a selfish endeavor. I, you know, when you talked about what the struggle is, it's, you know, if, if I'm leaving, I know that, you know, my wife is with my kids or I'm asking for help, you know, so to be able to do that and they were able to watch me bike past our house to see me come out of the water at Minnewaska and to see me at the finish. And I think that they're being honest when they said that they had a really great time. My kids were playing SOS in our backyards, jumping in the pool with their shoes on. And um, it, it really felt it really felt meaningful to sort of be able to share that with them and, and do that locally. It was it was just I don't I can't gush about it enough. It, it was a day that I'll just always remember. Very cool. Uh, future athletic goals. Uh, what are you what are the big, uh, big things you're chasing, if any? Oh, I'd like to bring down that course record at the Brookfield Classic 15K. <laughs> uh, I want to do better at SOS next year. And I, I probably would have said you know, 70.3 and Ironman and, and getting better at those distances. Uh, that feels a little bit 
I don't want to say shelved, but kind of deprioritized right now. I mean, honestly, most important to me is I want to stay consistent and healthy and active. And it scares me to think about not being able to do this for any period of time. Um, so there's really that there's no compromise that I would make that would get in the way of just really being able to continue doing this as more of a lifestyle. But you know, I'll race anything from a 5K that the town is putting on to, um, yeah, eyeballing Ironman or 70.3 half Ironman. That's great. I think, uh, yeah, Brandon, you and I could talk forever. I know there's going to be people possibly interested in reaching out, saying hi, maybe asking questions. Um, is Instagram the best way for people to do that? Or do you have another way for them to contact you? Yeah, they're welcome to do that. It's probably a pretty boring account. It's either my kids or maybe some reels of some some of my uh, where I am out in nature, but they can follow me, Brandon J. Roman on Instagram. And I think it's the same on Strava if anybody wants to talk training or look at training. Okay, awesome. Brandon, thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, you're welcome. It's really great to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. All right, buddy. See ya. One last message. I ask that you please check out our show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, Home Sweet Home Cleaning, Native Pass Supplements, and Thin Line Martial Arts. Their links are in the description. Not only do these companies produce outstanding products and services, but they're providing an enticing discount to all listeners who use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15, at checkout or when you give them a call.